This is Local Color, distributed by Your Public Studios, a podcast dedicated to the artists, entrepreneurs, and social innovators using their talents to make Baltimore and the DMV a better place. I'm your host, Jason V, and on the show today, Lindsay Brown. She's the owner and founder of A Day in June, a vintage furniture and clothing shop based in Baltimore. Lindsay had several years of retail experience under her belt before opening A Day in June, including one other entrepreneurial effort. But the real story, one that you won't believe until she tells it, is the mysterious benefactor that gave her the courage to take a second leap. Over the lockdown of 2020 and 2021, like a lot of people, I got back into reading. I finally finished the Walking Dead graphic novel, I read the Steve Jobs biography, and my mom and I read a book together, Sankofa by Chibundu Onuzo. Both the books are great, and the Walking Dead graphic novel is miles better than the TV show. I also started another series, a manga or Japanese comic series called Berserk. I know I'll never get to finish it because in 2021, the series creator Kentaro Miyota died suddenly, but I'm still going to catch up and read until the untimely end. Berserk is internationally renowned for its over-the-top dark fantasy violence, complex characters, and hauntingly beautiful art. It also explores intricate themes that I've summarized as the human condition, and one theme particularly is causality, or cause and effect. Do one thing, and another thing occurs. If one choice were an acorn, the ensuing events from that choice are branches that sprout forth from the acorn, twisting and growing into the giant oak tree we call life. We've all made choices we wish we could take back. But we've also all made life-changing choices that brought us to where we are today for the best reasons possible. My guest Lindsay Brown made one such choice while working as a waitress in Baltimore, a choice that led her to founding her company a day in June. Lindsay's called Baltimore home for many years now, but she's from Newark, New Jersey. She grew up by Branch Brook Park, and fun fact, as a child she was fluent in Spanish because of the community's huge Latino population. She lost the language once she moved to Baltimore and had a regular childhood as one of three girls growing up in Northeast Baltimore. She went to Digital Harbor High School, then transferred to Northern High to support her sister who'd gotten pregnant while she was still in school. After high school, um, I did a semester of college and then I was kind of like, this is kind of dumb. So... Um, and then I left college and I was like, can't do this. I'm ready to make some cold, hard cash. And I just started waiting tables and, um, <laughs> working at, uh, and working in retail. So I started, I hit the ground running with working. Yeah. When I was doing some research for this interview, uh, I learned that you worked uh, a few retail jobs and you were even a manager at Nordstrom, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. My so before before we jump into a day in June, let's talk about your uh, your retail experience and as well as your restaurant experience leading up to a day in June. What was it like working at Nordstrom? Because I think people or, or Nordstrom, I know there's no S on the end, but uh, I, I, people will have a perception of it. It's like a very nice, nice uh, luxurious um, department store. But as somebody who was on the inside, what was it like working there? Uh, working at Nordstrom, I would say. I started working there when I was 18 and I got promoted very, very quickly and I made more money than I had ever seen. (laughs) So I thought, you know, I was young. I had all this money. I think after maybe four or five months of working there, 
I went out and I got like a Lincoln LS. I got an apartment. You know, I was on my own. I just thought I had made it. Um, so you working at Nordstrom at in the retail world, it is one of the the better higher paying retail jobs that that you're gonna have. Um, the thing, the downside to that is it also comes with a lot of working at Nordstrom was kind of like being in high school again. It's very catty. It's very fashion forward. Like if you don't dress a certain way, you will get talked about, or you will be on the board downstairs in the employee lunchroom. You know what I mean? Like kind of like who can look the best, who can dress the best. Every time a new pair of shoes drops in a different department, you better have them. If there's a new collection coming out, you have to wear it. And you want to be able to wear it because it's really based off of commission. So you, that's how you make your money is by looking nice. Because when people come in the department, they're going to either come, they're going to come to the best dressed person, especially looking to buy clothes or shoes. So I, I stayed there and I had my, my Nordstrom time. But after a while, I was like, I can't. I can't, this is too much because, because of the, I was getting paid a lot of money, but because of the pressures of looking a certain way or dressing a certain way, you know, I was spending all of my money on clothes and shoes. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was 18. So I didn't really know, I have a whole lot of money management skills. Um, and then the commission was just too, I had, I had created so much overhead for myself with getting the car note and getting the apartment that, the commission was not consistent. So it's like one month you do really great. And then the next month, if you get a bunch of returns, you're in the negative, but your rent is still due. You know what I mean? So I was like, okay, now I actually built a life for myself. I have to make a certain amount of money to live and I can't have the inconsistency. Um, but Nordstrom is a great starting. It was a great starting spot. Um, I don't regret a second of it, but if you're young and you work there, you just have to be be careful and be mindful of how you're spending your money. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like pretty good advice for teenagers. Um, I know that I was pretty reckless once payday hit. So my next question is, when did you realize that you didn't want to do this for someone else anymore and, and you wanted to do it for yourself? After Nordstrom, I left Nordstrom and I was assistant manager at Francesca's. It's like a little boutique store. I don't know if you know it. And then I left Francesca's and I was at Andrew Mark in Arundel Mills, left there, briefly was at Neiman Marcus. And then I left there and I went to um, anthropology as the assistant manager of apparel there. And that is when I was like, okay. No more corporate retail. <laughs> I think I was just bouncing around trying to see, you know, what kind of corporate retail job I fit in or what kind of corporate retail job I, I liked or wanted to do long term. Um, and, it, and I was just having a hard time, you, you know, and finally, when I got to anthropology, I was like, I can't do corporate that this is the problem. Instead of them focusing on these employees passions um, or strengths and, 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 you know, uh, feeding their creativity. It was more of, I don't care what you sell as long as you meet today's goal, 
Do you know what I mean? Like it was about, it was a lot about it, numbers and not about selling necessarily something that looks good on someone, but just sell them until it hits a certain amount. So it was just the grind of it all. It was the grind and the um, um, the uh, dishonesty of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if this top doesn't look good on someone, we probably should be like, you know what? This is not the cut for you. But it was more of just sell it. You yes. know what I mean? <laughs> and that kind of turned me off because I was like, I if I'm just here to push numbers, um, that's that wasn't fun for me. That wasn't creative for me. That wasn't inspiring for me. Um, styling was, you know, and and it came, it became a numbers game, and and that just really took the life out of it for me. So I knew I, I knew it wasn't long term for me. So I had to get out of there. So you get to Anthro and you realize, look, this isn't for me. I just can't do this anymore. Did you end up hopping to another job or was there anything in between uh, before you started a day in June? So um, I got a really crazy, weird, rare opportunity. <laughs> um, this woman uh, came in to Anthro and long story short, because it is a long story, but she came into Anthro and she had a lot of money and no experience. And I had a lot of experience and absolutely no money. Um, so she kind of was like, hey, I want to open a store, but I've never had a store. Um, and I was like, I know how to do it and I want to do it, but I don't have any money. So we kind of got together. Um, we opened a store. Um, she was well off. She didn't. She was like a stay at home mom. I still had to work because I still had that apartment. I still had that car. <laughs> so I actually went back to waiting tables while I quit Anthro, went back to waiting tables while me and this woman were building uh, this shop. It was an old candy shop in Fells Point and we did a full renovation and turned it into a boutique. Um, and that's kind of when the, that's when the journey started. That is, that is crazy. Um, Isn't it crazy? <laughs> <laughs> when you started on that journey with her, um, did it ever feel weird for you that you weren't putting up any money? Like you were just strictly the ideas person and then she was strictly the money person. It felt very, it felt too good to be true, but it was happening. But it was also someone I didn't know very well. So we would like go to lunches and try to be like, we should probably get to know each other and try to go get wine. Um, it was always an awkward thing because we were completely two separate people, two different ages, two different time periods, um, two different styles, two different everything. But, and I talked to, so, so the business deal we went in on, it was 50, 50. So even though she was putting up the money, I was putting up all the experience. So we split everything 50, 50. Um, and I don't know anything about partnerships, but if someone's coming to you with your dream, I, it's growing really hard to say no. There's some risk there, but you know when you're. I think I was I was twenty. I was twenty two. Um, you know you're gonna go and do it. So I mean, I talked to a bunch of other business owners at the time and a couple mentors I had, and they were like, "Yeah, this is not gonna work." Because, <laughs> and I was. They were like, "It's not gonna work, but do it because you have to find out that it's not gonna work. It's a sweet deal though. So just go ahead and do it, and then you'll see." And that partnership lasted four months before we went through a partnership dissolution and the business essentially closed. <laughs> and that was just creative differences. What happened? 
that was creative differences, cultural differences. Yeah, that was that was a lot of differences. That was some statements were made about people of color. I know what you're talking about. I think I know what yeah. you're talking about. I, I get it. That was that. So I was like, mm-mm, can't do it. Honestly, good for you because there's too many people out here that are willing to be disrespected just to um, just to follow their dreams. So good on you for for kicking her to the curb. So a day in June. Talk to me about it. How did the name? How did you get the name? Tell me the story of how it was founded. Let's jump right into it. So um, when I went to the partnership dissolution, I actually I was super depressed, like very depressed. I was very young. I feel like I had my dream in front of me and, you know, it was just pulled from under me in pretty much 24 hours, but it wasn't very public and a lot of people didn't know. So people would still come up to me while I was waiting tables like, hey, we're going down to your store today. And I would constantly all day long have to be like, oh, well, it's, it's closed. You know, and then, and then it's the whole conversation of what, why, what happened? So having to go through that embarrassment at work <laughs> and constantly have to talk about it. It just really discouraged me. I had no idea what I wanted to do next. I, for a moment, I wouldn't even come out. The, my mother had to like write me a letter, put it in a mailbox to be like, um, get it together. You got to come out this house. Um, and then I decided to start a day in June. And the idea came about because I always shopped vintage like i've been thrifting since i was a kid because that's just how i grew up my mom didn't have much money um being a single mom and everything with three girls so it's something that we just did all the time that i always enjoyed because it was the way that we just spent our quality time as a family um i couldn't afford to go to trade shows and buy wholesale that's really how it, i started out with vintage clothing um, because, you know, you had to go to New York, you have to have a certain budget to buy, um, uh, or some of these, these brands won't even talk to you. Um, so I couldn't do that, but I knew how to, you know, I knew how to source, I knew how to thrift. Um, and I felt like that's where I can be most creative by putting outfits together. Um, so I started a day in a day. Well, the name came because I had a list of names and they were all crazy names like jungle clothing and retro rags <laughs> and i was like i want something different but that i can relate to and a day in june was actually at the bottom of my list and i i invited my mom over and went through all the names like 75 names and she was like that one and it comes from because my birthday is june the 5th so it's like a day in june i was born with these crazy ideas and creativity as corny as that sounds. <laughs> no, I, I think it was a good name, even though it was at the bottom. I mean, to be honest, the other ones weren't <laughs> the best. Uh, so a day in June rolls off the tongue very well. So I think you, you did you did a good job. I like it. Thank you. <laughs> we'll be right back after a quick break. And when we return, I continue my conversation with Lindsey Brown of A Day in June. I'm Jason V. This is Local Color. Stay with us. Hey, 
Hey, I'm Jason DeVee. This is Local Color. And before the break, my guest, Lindsay Brown, talked about starting a new vintage concept after her first foray into entrepreneurship failed. As we continue our talk, Lindsay reveals the guardian angel that helped her get a day in June off the ground. So in an interview you did with Baltimore Magazine, you said that there was a person who was responsible for lighting a fire under your butt and telling you, look, stop making excuses and just open the shop already. Who was that person? Because I don't think you reference them in the, um, in, you, you don't name them in the interview. That person uh, is actually, and when I was, when I went back to waiting tables, um, it's a customer, this guy that used to come in and he would get a soup every single day, older guy, but he, he had been coming there for years. So he kind of knew my journey of, you know, going, working retail and then meeting this lady, you know, he, he had came in so much that we were, he was checking in about the progress of like, you know, everything I was doing. So uh, he came in one day, asked about the store. I had to break it to him like I was everyone else. And he, you know, I was really sad. And he was like, you have so much potential. Like, you can't let this stop you. And I was like, I don't have any money. I don't know what to do. I didn't have a business license or any of that stuff. And he was, he never really said what he did. He was just always well-dressed and he ordered the most expensive soup. So I knew he had some <laughs> I knew he had a lot more money than I had. Always had a nice car, all that stuff. And he was like, let's go right now. And I was like, I can't, I can't leave here. Like I'm, I'm working. And then he was like, go tell your manager you have a, a, uh, a family emergency. And I was like, no, like they're not going to let me. He went up to the manager and said, I'm her dad. She has to go right now. And my manager was like, um, okay. And I had my apron and everything on. I had no idea where he was taking me. That was probably risky. Now that I think about that, that's probably really scary. I probably shouldn't have done that. Oh my God, but- <laughs> Lindsay, what? <laughs> it's like, I kind of just got taken from work. And- but I was so sad and depressed. I was like, whatever, just take me. Just get that. Um, and, you know, he drove me down to the business building. I'd never been there. And he said, and we were in line. He said, by the time it was two people in front of us, he said, by the time you get to the top of the line, you better have a name. I don't figure out what bank you want and, you know, and have it figured out. And I was like, oh, so I'm sitting down, writing stuff down, like on my hand, trying to call my mom, didn't have time for that. And we got up there and he paid for, you know, a day. So the really the spelling of a day in June, the reason it's spelled that way is not because I was trying to be cool. It's because a day in June, I-N, was taken when I got to the desk. So they were like, "Mm, no, but I had already built everything around that name. So I couldn't really change it. So I was like, what sounds like it? What sounds like it? You know, they're not, you know, going down there is like going to the DMV. So, you know, they're (laughs) like, next, you know what I mean? And I'm like, no, 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 I got it. So I was like, just put the letter N. And that was not taken. so I got my business license that day. He expedited the uh, business bank account information, paid for all of it. I think it came up to like four or something. And I never saw him again. Uh, you, you know, Lindsay, I'm at a loss for words. That was equal parts dangerous and yeah. <laughs> insanely inspiring. You never saw this That's man crazy. again, ever? I never saw him again. No. Mm-mm. So this man who has been coming to your yeah. job, ordering the most expensive soup, looks good, right. 
one day hears your story, takes you from yeah. your job, <laughs> helps you register yeah. a day in June. Yeah, never saw him again. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's just, it's really, it's really, really crazy. And that is really the story that when I have my hard days, my hard tax days like today, where I'm like, why the hell am I doing this? You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I think about that and it's like, you know, somebody believed in me that much. Like, I, I want to make that person proud. I don't want that to be in vain, you know? You don't want that to be in vain. And you, you have to remind yourself, there was somebody that you have never seen again who helped you. And if they believed in you so much, how could you not believe in yourself, you know? Exactly. Right. And, you know, he, you know, on the way, on the drive back, I was just like, oh my God, thank you. Like, I'm going to pay you back. Um, and, you know, he talked to me and, you know, he was like, as a, he, he said he was a business owner. He didn't, still didn't say what he did. Um, but he said, you can't get discouraged. He said the most, he said, this is small stuff to a creative person like you, you know, money will come and go. You don't have money today. You'll get it again. Business people file for bankruptcy all the time. They open, you know what they do? They open up a new business. It's small stuff, but that's all small stuff. You keep, you keep going. And I've always had that in, in my head. And that's, I think that advice is what has allowed me to have this business for, you know, a, a long time now. That is an insane story, but very <laughs> amazing and inspiring. It's amazing. I know there are good people in this world. So what year did this story take place? Because it seems like you've been at this a while now. So it had to have been like 2016, 2015. Yes, I, I get it gets blurry, but I believe it does. I believe that was that had to be 2015, 2015. What's it like running a boutique vintage shop in 2022 with upcycling and thrifting being so popular? It's it's harder now, way harder. Um, there's a there's a lot of vintage going around, you know what I mean, and a lot of vintage stuff and a lot of great collections. Um, but you know, with the inflation and going going down and everything going up, it's kind of harder because you got to be really careful, especially for me because. You know, I always do the clothing because that's how I started. But I started doing uh, furniture and home decor, um, which was always the plan from the beginning. But the spaces I had when I started, I couldn't do furniture and home decor because I had no way to get the furniture up the steps. <laughs> um, but now that, you know, I've adjusted and I've been in a couple spaces, I finally set up a true concept, concept shop, which is what the plan was. So we do apparel, home decor, and uh, furniture. Um, with the furniture though, the furniture has kind of, since COVID, taking, taken, taken the show. Like people don't really wanna see the clothes anymore. They wanna see furniture because I think everyone was home. So they wanted to curate their spaces and there's been this new appreciation for like, um, you know, making your home a home and people wanna be comfortable in their home. So. Uh, the furniture really elevated the business and, and allowed the business to take off in a way that, you know, I was waiting for it to. But now that we're here, you start to kind of, when you start to deal with furniture, it's very different because when you have furniture, you need storage and things are bigger. 
So you can't just buy anything. You have to buy things that um, fit with your eye, things that I'm interested in that I would want to see in my home, but also something that I know is going to turn over quickly because I don't have time or space to sit on it. Because if I have a big table and it doesn't sell, I can't really bring anything else in until it does <laughs> because it's taking up so much space. So um, it's kind of, it's, it's changed the game in that way. Like I had to put a lot, lot of thought into it, but it's a lot of competition out there. So you really have to t tone in, hone in on your eye. What exactly is a vintage collection? Is it just a uh, collection of clothes from a specific vintage manufacturer? No, it is um, like a lot of vintage shops that will curate collections. Now, those specific sellers, some they're all different. So they might curate a collection based on color or season. So like their spring collection or whatever, or time period. So their 80s collection, their 20s collection, their, you know, for every place is different. I know when I do collections, it's more of a group of items that, are curated together that might be similar in style or tone, like color. Um, so it'll be like the earth tone collection, you know what I mean? Of like home decor in front of things you can put together or, or outfits you can wear all at once kind of thing. That's what it is for me. But every vintage shop will uh, define their collections differently. How is the boutique and vintage shop scene in Baltimore from an entrepreneur's perspective? Because you've been doing this, you've been in the game for a while now, so you would definitely have like an insider um, insider scoop on, on how things are going. Uh, would you say there's a lot of gatekeeping in the industry? There's, I feel like in every industry, there's gatekeeping. Uh, for me in Baltimore, I've had a lot of gatekeeping experience. Um, I think the that comes from this being a small city and there not necessarily being a lot of, you know, there's a vintage scene, but everyone's not interested, you know, everyone's not in interested in the vintage scene. It's like half and half. So everyone's trying to appeal to the same 100 customers <laughs> you know what i mean so it's like i even feel like sometimes they they might want to help but them helping you know they they feel like could possibly take food off of their table you know what i mean like they 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 have to eat but i think in every industry you get that um i've learned my lesson i for one i feel like i've never done that i've done podcasts and interviews for high schoolers, <laughs> you know what I mean? I had one girl reach out to me today and she was like, hey, you know, cause they always reach out and they're like, can I, are you hiring or can I intern? And I usually like, hey girl, I had ramen noodles today. This is not uh, ASOS. It doesn't, you know, they say, oh my God, your Instagram look like you have employees. And I'm like, I'm glad that it looks that way, but it's just me in my living room, manipulating the light, crying, having a glass of wine, getting back up and doing it again. But if you want to come and see what it's like to have a vintage shop, I've done that many times to where I'll have the young girl, they just come to my house. That sounds really weird, but yeah, they just <laughs> come to my house <laughs> and they see what it actually, like, like they see my office and they're like, oh my God, you would never know. And I'm like, this is what it is. 
And I feel like I go out of my way to do that because I wanted someone, no one did that for me. You know what I mean? I wanted someone to guide me and I have nothing. This business is really hard. You know, these Instagrams and the TikToks and the, the, the pictures and, you know, all of that stuff is cool. But behind the scenes, I think any vintage shot will tell you um, it's a hot mess. <laughs> oh, for sure. When I was starting out with podcasting, I had to do hours and hours of research. I've spent more time researching something than I did actually doing it. So I really commend yeah. you for being that reference point and that mentor for the younger generation coming up, because had I had somebody like that for me. And that's not to say that there weren't people out there who didn't help me along the way, but I never had someone say like, here, do A, B, C, D, and then like E, F, G, and H will um, will happen. So I think that that's great that you are that reference point and that mentor for the up and coming generation. And then as far as like the competition, it it's really, sometimes disheartening because you feel like you're all in this together or there's enough there's enough uh, opportunity out there for all of us and then you start to shine a little bit and people don't take too kindly to that so then they want to act different yeah it's like one minute you guys are sitting down and exchanging ideas and encouraging each other and then the next minute your instagram's starting to look too nice and it's like oh i don't know you no more or you're there get, you're getting certain interviews and they're like oh i don't you know, it's it's real. It's it's real cut and dry, and it, and that's unfortunate. Um, but you know, I feel like in in what you do and in what I do, in the creative world, just period. Like you you have to go through phases because you know it uh, it affects everybody at some point. You know, I had to go through a phase where I had to really curate my feed and stop following people because you know. I was feeling like comparing myself <laughs> and no one would help me. You know what I mean? So I found myself like trying to look and see what other people were doing. And I had to stop and be like, remember who I was and why I started and really just focus on what I was doing. And I, every time I do that, I win. You know what I mean? Like every time I do that, I make the most money and I'm the most focused and I'm the most inspired. Um, but but yeah, that that's that's how it is, man. What is coming up next for you? Uh, I my next uh, pop up market that I'm going to be doing is the Punk Rock Flea Market in Philly this Saturday. Um, every, all the inf and all the information for it is on my Instagram. I don't know the exact location right now, but that's about, I've never done that one. But that one's supposed to be really good. Um, a lot of people they said it's a pretty big market. I think it happens twice a year. And it's a lot of records and cool vintage and like um, home decor and stuff. So that's a good that's a good market for everyone to definitely check out. Um, I'm also going to be starting my uh, coffee consulting company, Ooh. Um, <laughs> which is really crazy. Um, but I've been working in the coffee industry, uh, you know, being your neighborhood barista since I was 15. So um, I know a lot about coffee. I've managed a lot of coffee shops. I love coffee. I drink coffee every day. And I'm a coffee shop snob. And a lot of people need my help out here in the coffee world. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm going to be helping uh, a couple local shops and um, branching out as well. I like to do stuff in different states. Just not so much as the sourcing of the coffee bean, um, but 
the uh, structure of the coffee shops, more of the design aspect, the behind the scenes, how to make things run smoothly with machine to buy, um, all those kind of things. Mm, okay, sounds yeah. interesting. Well, I do not drink coffee, uh, but I'll still support you. I know my wife drinks coffee though. Oh, I love her so much. Tell her I said hi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah sure thing i'll definitely let her know and i'm sure she's gonna be like oh my god Lindsay, let's go hang out with her but i'll stay plugged into your ig and just watch you continue your ascent Lindsay, thank you so much for the opportunity to sit down and interview you thank you so much for having me on here it's been such a long time since we got to talk and i know every time i do see you and your wife we just talk for hours and hours <laughs> That was Lindsay Brown of A Day in June. Head over to adayinjune.com to shop her selection and follow her journey on Instagram at A Day in June Vintage. Remember, all sales are final. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Local Color. The podcast is hosted and produced by me, Jason V, and distributed by Your Public Studios. New episodes of Local Color drop the second and fourth Wednesday of each month. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to rate five stars and leave a review. Learn more about Local Color at wypr.org.